You're about to listen to a message of Foundation of Truth Assembly. May the word you hear bear fruit in your heart now and always. We worship you, Adonai, Master of the Universe, Captain of the whole wide world, ruler in the affairs of men, God who cannot lie, God who never changes, the great and mighty one who lives forever. The one who rules when things are over, when things begin. We call you Alpha and Omega. For indeed, you have no beginning, you have no end. You span all through time and space, Lord God Almighty. What can you not do? What can you not do? We thank you because we have a God who can overrule, overturn any verdict. One who can pronounce new things. Speak those things that be not as though they were and they really begin to appear. Lord God, we embrace you this morning. Lord God, with our talking of love and worship, with our talking of praise, of dance, of rejoicing before you, knowing that you are God and you deserve it. Whether or not we bring it is immaterial. You deserve it. It's all yours. Voluntarily, we bring praise to you this morning. We bring honor to you. We celebrate you, maker of heaven and earth. We celebrate you, commander of the angel armies. We celebrate you. You will rise on the clouds. You whose might is infinite. We call you the Almighty, the Almighty. The scale of your might is beyond our comprehension. You can do all things. Nothing is too hard for you. We worship you this morning. We salute you because you are taking away pains. You are bringing about a change in our lives. You are bringing about great and mighty things that we did not know. Lord God, because now they shall spring forth and we shall know it. We shall know it and we shall undo it and our mouth shall testify about them in the name of Jesus Christ. As we go into your word this morning, Lord, we ask for another dimension of a revelation of Jesus. Reveal yourself to us in a new way this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. Let hope rise in the name of Jesus. Let hope rise as many people's souls that are dead, weakened, or knocked down in the rings of life, Jehovah Lord God, let there be a miraculous raising up of those whose minds have already collapsed. Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that there will be a reinforcement in the name of Jesus Christ. Blessed be your holy name, O Lord. We pray that this word is empowered in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Put your hands together for Jesus. Hallelujah. God bless you. Good morning. And it's a pleasure to have you here this morning. We trust that the Lord is still interested in your case. He's not giving up. It does not matter who has given up on your case. God is not giving up on you. It does not matter where you have been, what you have done. God is not giving up on you. He has another chance for you. He has many more chances for you. He is a God of all flesh. He can make and remake. In fact, He is the one who changes situations. And then you look around and wonder what has happened. God has happened. When God steps in, things change. When God steps in, luck disappears. When God steps in, situations are transformed right under our, our eyes. Things change. New forms come up because God is involved. I pray that in that case that you are you have lost hope about, that God will step in and pleasantly surprise you in the name of Jesus Christ. Without further ado, we go straight into the word for today, which is a continuation of what we started last week the series for the month it's it's not over it's not over i need you to to understand believe not just confess this but to believe it deep down in your heart that it's not over it's not over i don't know where you are you know it better yes i don't know where you've been i don't know why you are where you are but i know a god who is able to change all things to do everything to do anything nothing is too hard for him and when he said to tell you that it's not over, I don't know what he wants to do. But I know that he who said it's not over is able to start things for you afresh in the name of Jesus Christ. For many is going to have to uproot them from where they are and take them to where they need to be for their lives to continue to make meaning. For some right where they are is going to intervene right there and 
while they are still wondering what is happening it will make them a wonder for everyone to come and study and begin to ask them how did you do it how did you do it god who said it's not over we're stepping in your case in the name of jesus christ today we go to the topic down but not out down but not out for many of us who watch boxing a couple of days back there was a um, heavyweight boxing championship match between tyson fury and uh, Deontay wilder if you saw that match or you saw the highlight, I saw only the highlight, uh, maybe a six or seven minute highlight. And uh, I picked a lot from, from that match. Of course, I already heard that um, the winner of that match was Titan Fury. So I just wanted to, you know, just see what really transpired in that match. And I saw something very interesting. Yes, Tyson Fury won. In fact, what drew me to that particular match was a testimony from Tyson Fury that I saw. Someone was asking him after the match, Oh, Tyson Fury, how did you win? And in his usual fashion, you know, Tyson Fury is not ashamed to identify with Jesus. And the first thing he said is, I give thanks and glory to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave me victory and made me to become champion again. He said, I got down twice on the canvas, yet I came back up by the power of God and I knocked out Deontay Wilder. If you know who Deontay Wilder is, you will know that it's not easy to knock him out. As a matter of fact, when I looked at the highlight, I saw that the champion, Tyson Fury, he was knocked down twice in that 12th round match, but he kept getting up. He got up the first time and he continued to fight. He got up and continued to punch, continued to dodge, continued to swing, continued to do whatever he had to do, continued to jab. And he got down again, but it was not over. He got up. In the 12th round, he knocked out his opponent, Deontay Wilder, and won the match by technical knockout. If you saw the first time that Tyson Fury got that, you would think the match is over. Maybe the second time, you say, oh, surely the match is over. But he got up because it is not over. He went on to defeat his opponent by technical knockout. I pray that no matter how many times you've been knocked down by life in the ring of life, you shall rise again in the name of Jesus Christ. You shall stand again and you shall still win in the name of Jesus. No matter what knocked you down. It doesn't matter what knocked you down. It doesn't. As long as God is with you, you can get up again. This morning as we proceed in this topic, downward or out, I'd like to just share two things with you briefly. Uh, the first is what knocks people down. Let's look at the things that knock us down. We know for a fact that God is interested in us getting back up. But then we have a lot of learning to do when we understand why people get knocked down. And the second thing we'll be considering is how to get up when you've been knocked down. You shall get up in the name of Jesus Christ. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Job chapter 14, which is our main text. The Bible says in verse 7, Say, For there is hope for the tree. If it is cut down, it will sprout again. And that his tender shoots will not cease. Though his roots may grow old in the earth, and his stump may die in the ground, yet at the scent of water it will bud and bring forth branches like a branch. People get knocked down, people get chopped down, people get cut down for different reasons. We see in this passage that tree was cut down. That tree was cut down, chopped down. The tree didn't kill itself. It didn't cut itself. So there are circumstances that are beyond our control that can knock us down. Write that down as number one. Circumstances beyond your control. People in life often get knocked down. And many, many people on this table get knocked down for doing nothing. Natural forces, natural disadvantages knock them out. For some, it may be their original nationality or ethnic group. You belong to a so-so-so group. You can become a victim just because you come from a certain part of the world. Or you come from a certain part of the country. You've been making progress and somebody comes, he doesn't like people from that kind of place and he knocks you down. There is a new policy that knocks you down. There is a new culture in your team that knocks you down. You've been favored before now. Everything has been going well. Everything is going smoothly. You are making progress. And something beyond your control happens. You are trusting God for that replacement in your office. You are trusting God for that lifting. You are trusting God for that expansion. And somebody 
who could influence it is moved and they bring another person that is averse to who you are is averse to your kind of surname or they don't like somebody that is dark in complexion oh and everyone who is fair in complexion is this and that you have been labeled for something you didn't do anything about it's natural you were born like that you didn't do anything like that you've been making tremendous progress your name has been penned down as a high potential candidate you are being considered for that political office and suddenly somebody comes and says, no, we don't want women. Mm -mm. You didn't make yourself a woman. You are not Bob Risky. You are not one of those people who, who today they identify as this and identify as that. Hopefully one day somebody will not identify as something that will, that will put them in jail. You were born like that. Yet it becomes a disadvantage. It becomes a reason to be knocked down. It happens. Sometimes it's just some unfortunate incidents, circumstances, accidents. There are people in our society, and we live in a society that stigmatizes victims of rape. Some, their lives have been going well until an event happened to them. Somebody got raped, and everybody in the society labels them. Say, ah, this one in life don't finish, oh. Who go marry him? You know, go find husband. The person that did not hear before, they will tell him, oh, did you see that girl? Ah! Blah, blah, blah. So, so, so thing happened to her 10 years ago. Eh, nobody will get close to her. She didn't do anything. She, did, she was a victim. She didn't do anything. And yet, that becomes a stumbling block to progress. That knocks the person down. Sometimes it's just history. You come from a certain family that did something bad. And you carry that surname. You carry that natural disadvantage. Things have been opening. The day somebody finds out you are related to social person, say, eh? So, so person that did so 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 and so so time no way remove the person's name remove it now remove it things can knock us down sometimes it's accidents your life has been very smooth you've been going well and one day you were involved in a car accident you lost your legs or you lost your hand or you lost something and you became deformed from that moment you started to to change course of life everything you could do before you now need help from somebody else to help you do it that can knock somebody down. You lost your memory through an accident. Where do you start from? You don't even know your name. You don't know your church. You don't know your family members. You don't know that you're an engineer. You don't know your office. You don't even remember that you were chattered. How do you pick yourself up? When you get knocked down in the rings of life. And this is one of the reasons people get knocked down. For something they did nothing about circumstances beyond their control let's go to an example of that in scriptures in second samuel there's a man called mephibosheth in the book of second samuel go to chapter four yes go to chapter four with me i'm going to read from verse four the bible talks about mephibosheth this man was a victim of circumstances beyond his control it was an accident Bible says, Jonathan's son, Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. You know, the news was that his dad and his granddad had been murdered. The young boy was just five years old. Do you understand? The Bible says, and his nurse took him up and fled. So the nurse was trying to say, hey, this one are the king and the heir apparent have died. We don't know what's going to happen. Maybe another person will try to be king and try to wipe out the remaining members of the family. Let me take this little child, this one that can become a heir to the throne in the future. Let me take him and run away. So the nurse was trying to do something good. But in the process of doing something good, something bad happened. The Bible says, and it happened. Life happens. And it happened as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame. His name was Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. This was what happened to Mephibosheth and made him lame. Somebody was trying to help him. And it happens sometimes. You're trying to do something good. In the process, something bad happens. And it changes the course of the life of the person you are trying to help. And that knocks them down. That knocks them down. Mephibosheth was knocked down. He wasn't born like that. That accident put him in a condition that altered his course of life. 
He was a priest. But he lived like a pauper. The Bible says they could not find a place for him around. They took him to a place called Lodibar. Lodibar. A place that is forgotten. God forsaken land. That's where he lived. He was lame because of something he didn't cause. The same second Samuel. Just flip. Let's, let's go. If you go to chapter 9. You see what happened in this man's case. This man became lame. He was knocked down. But he was not knocked out because God still had plans for him. God had plans for him. I know God has plans for you. You might have suffered something. Something beyond your control. Something you didn't cause. That has put you at a place of disadvantage. That it looks as if this is how I'm going to die. It's not going to work. I will just keep trying. No, 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 no. It's going to work. Uh, 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 uh. Don't confess negatively. It's going to work because God still has you in his plans. God is still thinking about you. If you go to 2 Samuel chapter 9, I read from verse 3. The Bible says, Then the king said, That's David. After many years of many events that happened, you know, after Saul and Jonathan died, the Bible said they made one of Saul's children, Ishbosheth. They made him king. Then later in life, they made David king in Hebron, who was ruling over Judah for seven and a half years. And in the process of time, um, some people went to murder Ishbosheth, that's Saul's son that became king in his stead. And then that seat was vacant, so they needed a king and all that. And we know all the story, how the people came and persuaded David to become their king. To say, after all, when Saul was alive, you were the one who led us out and led us in to do battle. And we know that God had told you that you'll be leader over this nation, that you'll be the captain over this Israel. So please, merge the two kingdoms, that of Judah and that of Israel, and be the king of the unified state of Israel. And the matter was acceptable to David. And indeed, it was part of the will of God for his life, so he accepted it. So he had become king after that incident, and had reigned for some years. But there was one day... There was one day the king could not think of something else than the fact that there has to be somebody in the lineage of Jonathan that can show divine kindness to. Sometimes disadvantage can make you to be forgotten, but everyone does not forget. People may forget you, you may go into obscurity, but God still has a plan for you. It does not matter what has held you down or what has knocked you down. God still has a plan for you. So in this verse 3, the Bible says, The king, David, asked, Is there still not someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? Is there not someone? I just want to be kind. I want to do giveaway today. I'm in giveaway mode. Is there not somebody that I can just show kindness to? As long as... As is somebody from the house of Saul or Jonathan. May your benefactors look at you. I decree and declare in the name of Jesus Christ. May your benefactors look at you. May they have a reason to be asking. Please get me so, so, so person's number. I need to speak with them. May that be your case in the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, they asked, who can know? Then they found somebody who was from the house of Saul, but he was not a son. <laughs> he was not. So the king said to him, No, and Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is living in his seat. If you backtrack a bit, if you go to verse, um, if you start from verse 1, you understand who Ziba is and how he came into the picture. If you go from 1, the Bible says, Now David said, Is there still anyone? left of the house of Saul, anyone. He didn't say a servant or a son or a king, a concubine, whatever. Anyone that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. The Bible says in verse 2, And there was a servant of the house of Saul, whose name was Ziba. So they had called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? <laughs> Ah, Lord Jesus, help me. How do I say this? You know, there are times that the opportunity is meant for you. Somebody else tries to take it. God will not allow them in the name of Jesus Christ. What David wanted to do was for anyone in the house of Saul. So that qualification was broad. Anyone could be anyone. 
and they presented one of the anyone's to him. He said, oh, the anyone that you may be looking for, it looks as if our search criteria has found something in our Google search engine. When we put anyone in the house of Saul, this name was the first to pop up, Ziba. But problem is, he's a servant in the house of Saul. Okay, go and bring him. When they brought him, he was thinking, oh, that must be me. The king wants to reward somebody in the house of Saul. Well, I qualify. I'm a servant. You know, I'm anyone. But I'm not an ordinary servant. If you reach through uh, that passage, you will see it's not an ordinary servant. He was a servant who had servants. The Bible says he had 15 sons and 20 servants. So this PA had PAs. You remember that advert? Um, was it a skit where somebody will open the door to open the door for another person to open the door? It was this kind of case. Ziba was a servant who had servants. Hmm? So he thought that it could, that, that could be him. I could be the only one that the king has been moved by God to bless. The king said, no, 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 no. He said, Mr. Ziba, are you Ziba? He said, yes, at your service. Then the king said to him, is there still, <laughs> is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God. That is, the king was saying, yes, I know you are from there, but you are a staff there. Mm -hmm. I need a son from that lineage. I need somebody related by blood from that lineage. So he got the message. And Ziba said to the king, mm, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. <laughs> he quickly put the disadvantage of Mephibosheth forward. See, the king heard what he said, but he overlooked it. Your disadvantages will be overlooked on the day favor will search for you in the name of Jesus Christ. Those limitations you have, those limitations that the world wants to push forward and say, this is the reason why this person should remain in Lodeba. May God overlook it. May your benefactors overlook it on the day of your visitation in the name of Jesus Christ. As I said, this man is lame in his feet. The king did not listen to him. And the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Makir, son of Amir, in Lodibar. Then the king sent and brought him out of the house of Maki, the son of Amir, from Lodibar. God will send for you to be brought. In the name of Jesus Christ, you will qualify for favor, for divine kindness, in the name of Jesus Christ. That turnaround that will bring you from Lodibar, the land of being knocked out, and come and set you in the palace will happen. It will happen this year, in the name of Jesus Christ. Verse 6, Bible says, Now Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David. He fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth, is that you? And he answered, Here is your servant. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Turn around, turn around. I pray for you from the depth of my heart. It might have been long that you have been in this situation where you have been knocked down. But I pray for you in the name of just everything you have lost in the process of being knocked down. Everything that has been denied you in that place of being that they will be returned to you with interest. In the name of Jesus Christ, they will be returned to you with interest. In the name of Jesus Christ, David said, I'm not only going to restore to you your family estate. He said, I will give you a seat at my table. You will dine with me. You will sit at my table. The assets that your family forfeited will be restored to you. But in addition to that, I will give you interest. I will give you a seat at the king's dining table in the palace in Jerusalem. In the name of Jesus. That shall be your portion. But that's not all. And verse 9. And this, this one... <laughs> This word is very deep. Verse 9, see. See what the Bible says. Say, and the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant. You remember Ziba? Ziba was the person who was asked to go and get Mephibosheth from the place where he was in Lodiba. He was a servant in Saul's household. So the king now turned to him. He said, Saul's servant, I said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and all his house. You, therefore... <laughs> And your sons and your servants, you shall work the land for him. And you shall bring in the harvest, that your master's son may have food to eat. See, say, but Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Anyway, yes, you guys will become his staff from today. You, your 15 sons, 
your 20 servants, you will be the laborers for him. You will work in his field. You will make sure there is production in that factory. You will make sure that business does not fail. So God is saying, I'm not only going to restore you, I'm going to make you big. I'm going to make you blow when I bring you back. From that place where you were knocked down, I'm going to compensate you above what you deserve. Of course, the man had no option. Bible says, You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall walk the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest, that your master's son may have food to it. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table. Now, Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Ah, Ziba tried though. Verse 11, Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. I wish that was exactly what he did. And this leads me to the second point. Why people get knocked down? People get knocked down because of the wicked actions of others. Number one reason people get knocked down is what we've been talking about since. That is circumstances beyond your control that bring natural disadvantages. One of which is accident, which was the example of Mephibosheth. But another major, major, major reason why people get knocked down in life is because of the wicked actions of others. You didn't do anything. They just hated you. They hated you for no reason and they plotted to bring you down. Plotted to bring you down. This same Ziba, the king commanded him, make sure you take care of this man. He must not suffer. You, your sons and your servants, you must take care of his his assets. You must manage it. From today, that asset must be in production. You must manage it. It should not decline. It should not decline. You must have more than enough food from that field. I said, yes sir, we will do it. But they had motives. May God deliver us from wicked people. In the name of Jesus. The vast majority of people who are knocked down in life today, they were knocked down by others. Deliberately, not accidentally. Knocked down by others. The world is a wicked place. You are in your lane doing your thing. Not knowing that doing your thing was infuriating some people. Was stirring up envy. And for many of you that pray for favor, as you are praying for favor, be praying for protection. The more favor you get, the more envy you attract. The more envy you attack, uh, attract, the more attacks will come your way. If God does not help you, they can crush you. The world is full of evil people. Ziba, the same Ziba, that mentioned, oh, there is somebody here, there is a candidate here for kindness, plotted to bring this man down. In his mind, he must have been thinking, who is this guy? This lame guy. What does he have? What qualification does he have? That place where they sent him, that Lodeba, he did not even go to school. What was he doing there? He was just sitting down, maybe doing Babiala. Me, I've enriched my life. I've added value. I've got my PhD. I'm in the city. I'm in the city center. I have access to the king. People in the king's palace know my name. That's why they recommended me. When the king was looking for somebody related to Saul, and I thought I was the most qualified candidate and they brought me. Only for them to humiliate me by turning me, my children and my servants to the servant of this lame, crippled, one-legged, zero-legged man. I will show him Pepe. I will show him who is boss. So he had an opportunity. Some people hate you already. It's just that they don't have the opportunity to knock you down. They hate you enough. If they have the opportunity today, they are going to knock you down. May God deliver you from such wicked people. Ziba had a fantastic opportunity to deal with Mephibosheth. There was treason in the land. There was a coup. So the king, David, had to flee. And he was running away for his life. As he was running, something happened. Let's go to the book of Second uh, Samuel chapter 16. Second Samuel chapter 16. When David was running away, Ziba saw an opportunity to gain advantage. Bible says, when David was a little past the top of the mountain, that is, as he was running away, he was leaving the palace, he was fleeing for his life with his soldiers. The Bible says, there was Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, who met him with a couple of saddled donkeys, and on them, 200 loaves of bread, not slices, loaves, whole bread, 100 clusters of raisins, 100 summer fruits, and a skin of wine. And the king said to Ziba, what do you mean to do with this? Let me let me explain. Let me break this out to you. So the king was running away. There was a coup in the land. So Ziba 
The servant of Mephibosheth said, what, what can I do? I need to, to position myself, to position myself in the king's good book. So he gathered resources. We don't know if it's from the same field of Mephibosheth that he stole these resources from. The Bible says he gathered bread, enough bread. He carried wine. He carried fruits. He carried everything. Carried donkeys. And he ran to David and said, Here, Oga King, we are here, sir. We are loyal. We are loyal to your government. The king said to him, Ziba, what do you mean with all this? What are you trying to do? With all this, are you trying to bribe me? Are you trying to, you know, just offer me gifts? So Ziba said, The donkeys are for the king's household to ride on. I brought these cars for you. You don't understand. Donkeys back then were like cars. So I brought these plenty cars for you. That you and your house, you can ride on as you are trying to escape for your life. He said, and the bread and the summer fruit for the young men to eat, your soldiers, the guys around you, your PAs, your TAs, you know, the soldiers, the bodyguards, let them find something to eat. And the wine for those who are faint in the wilderness to drink. Just something for the road, you know. Then the king said, oh, no. By the way, where is your master's son? That is, where is Mephibosheth? Oh, this is so kind. I would imagine that you were sent here to bring these gifts to me, to support me in solidarity for my uh, predicament. I'm sure your, your, your boss, Mephibosheth, he was the one who sent you. So where is he? Is he on his way? Is he joining us? Or is he unable to make it unavoidably absent? You know those kind of things. And Ziba short is short, right? Ziba said to the king, Hmm. Indeed, he is staying in Jerusalem. That's Ziba. He's a traitor. For he said, Today the house of Israel will restore the kingdom to my father, of my father to me. So he just went and slandered Mephibosheth. He lied on him. So the king said to Ziba, Is that so? Is that so then? Everything I gave Mephibosheth before, all the property of the house of Saul and house of Jonathan, I transfer it to you. The Bible says, here, all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours from this moment. I transfer the deed of assignment of all the assets, landed property, the fuse producing or not producing assets, I transfer them to you. All these OMLs belong to you now. And Ziba said, I humbly bow before you that I may find favor in your sight, my Lord, O King. May somebody not go and steal what belongs to you in the name of Jesus Christ. From that moment, all the property was stripped off Mephibosheth on the altar of life. Let's, let's balance the story now. This is the account of Ziba. He told David, oh, this man is not coming to join you or to show solidarity because he thinks, oh, now that David has been chased from the throne, they will now make me king. Who will make you king for, for, for crying out loud? The story does not even make sense. They'll make you king? Who chased David from his throne? Absalom? Will Absalom abdicate the throne and make Mephibosheth, king for what? How? A lame man, how? Some things don't make sense, but they still happen. Turn to um, chapter 19 of the same book of 2 Samuel. See Mephibosheth's account from verse 24. The Bible says, Now Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king. This was return. So be between what we read before and what we are reading now, David had run away, God had helped him, he had regained the kingdom, the coup plotters had been killed, and he was coming back to Jerusalem, back to be restored as king on his throne. So now he was returning on his return journey. So now Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king on his return journey, and he had not cared for his feet. He didn't treat his legs, hmm? nor trimmed his mustache. He didn't go to the barber shop. He didn't use his clipper. Now wash his clothes. He didn't even dry clean his clothes. He was mourning. From the day the king departed until the day that he returned in peace. You know, some of you, you are suffering in, in silence. Nobody even knows him. You are disadvantaged yet. You, 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 you're wishing others well, but nobody knows. The Bible said this man did not even clean himself up. He was mourning. The Bible says so it was when he had come to Jerusalem to meet the king that the king said to him, why did you not go with me, Mephibosheth? We have scores to settle. You knew I had problem. And I was running away from my life. Why didn't you come to show solidarity? Why didn't you come with me? 
Listen to Mephibosheth's answer, verse 26. And he said, My Lord, I'm reading 2 Samuel chapter 19, I mean, verse 26. And he said, My Lord, O king, my servant deceived me, that is Ziba. For your servant said, I will saddle a donkey for myself, that I may ride on it and go to the king, because your servant is lame. And he has slandered your servant to my lord the king. But my lord the king is like the angel of the lord. Therefore do what is good in your eyes. Do what is good in your eyes. The disadvantage that Mephibosheth had still came up to give him a disadvantage. Because if he could walk by himself, he could have run and gone to David. Immediately the thing happened. He was depending on Ziba to provide the car that will carry him, the donkeys, that will carry him to the king so that he could impress him, show solidarity to the king. But he was left behind because he was lame. And he went ahead to slander him. In all the places where you have been slandered and therefore disenfranchised, may everyone plead your case. May he plead your cause in the name of Jesus Christ. May he give you another chance to redeem yourself. I don't have time to read the rest of the story. The rest of the story is a part of the property that was uh, taken away from Mephibosheth. Part of it was restored to him. The king said, well, sorry, when, Mephibosheth, uh, when Ziba came before, I, mean, I already transferred all the property to him. But now that I've read your story and I believe what you are saying, you hey guys go and sort it out, share it 50-50 and um, let it be. Even though Mephibosheth says, see, it doesn't even matter if I have anything or not. After all, I was down before. Before you try to even help me and give me some things, I really don't mind. But the king said, I've spoken. You guys go and share it between yourselves. I pray that the Lord will show mercy to you. No matter what people do to you, God will show mercy to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Ziba and Mephibosheth um, is not the story, it's not the only story in the Bible where people have done evil things. If you remember the story of Joseph very well, if you, we don't have time to read, go to Genesis chapter 37. If you read from verse 18 to 23, you see how Joseph's own brothers, brothers, not cousins, brothers, not neighbors, how they cast him into a cistern, a dry well. If you go to verse 28 of the same chapter 37, you see how they sold him into slavery, his own brothers. Brothers. And they went to lie to his father that uh, this man, oh, uh, something tore him up in the in the field, he was torn to pieces. Even himself, you know, he, he kept wearing his coat of many colors everywhere. You are going to the kitchen, you wear it. You are going to the market, you wear it. You are going for service, you wear it. You are sleeping, you wear it. They saw him after I said, that, that man is coming. The man with the coat of many colors. They seized him, beat him up, threw him in a system, sold him to, to slave masters, his own brothers, wicked people, sold him into a disadvantage, knocked him out. But God was not true with him. Even though when he got to Egypt, he got framed by his boss. He got framed for doing good. He did nothing evil. He got framed. If you go to chapter 39 and read from verse 16. He got framed and was thrown into prison. But Joseph's story did not end with prison. Mm -mm. He was a prisoner in a foreign land. He could have easily been killed. You know, he would have been murdered. Nothing would happen. He would be forgotten. There was nobody to come and bail him. There was nobody to come and fight his case. There was no lawyer that would come and defend him. There was no public attorney that was going to defend his case. Investigate. Was it a rape? Was it not a rape? Mm -mm, nobody. His case was almost a done deal. He could be forgotten there forever. Oh, the butler and the baker that were removed. The king had to summon them to be removed. Who was going to summon Joseph to be removed? After hearing the nonsense story that the wife of Potiphar gave, the husband was so mad, he threw the man inside prison. Say you, the only thing in this house that I cherish? You want to be chopping my wife? No way! Any man could get that angry. If you go to 39, let me read from verse 16. The Bible says, so she kept his garments with her until his master came home. Liar. Then she spoke to him with words like this, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came in to me to mock me. So it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. <laughs> they have their own version of the story. And unfortunately, their voice is louder than yours. They have more public sympathy than you ever hope to get. So she framed him. The Bible says, so it was when the master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, your servant did 
to me after this manner that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the story didn't end there. Verse 21 says, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. God will show you favor and mercy. Even though you have been put down, you have been pushed down unjustly by wicked people, God will show you mercy. In the name of Jesus Christ, no matter what others have done to knock you down, may heaven intervene and lift you above them. In the name of Jesus Christ, God will change your story for good. In the name of Jesus Christ. My time is running out. Let me go to the third reason. The third reason is the one we don't like. The first one, we embrace it. You see, this is not my fault. Circumstances beyond my control. Correct? The second one is very popular. So it's understandable. It's wicked people, world people. They are trying to winch me. That's normal. And there's a lot of that. The third one that we don't like to talk about. The causal agents for getting knocked down in life that nobody wants to admit is you. My action, your action. Our own actions. That's the number three reason why people get knocked down. You know, we often stumble and get knocked down by ourselves. Sometimes it's due to our ignorance. Sometimes it's due to carelessness. Sometimes it's just a mistake. You didn't plan to do it, but you did it. Intention and outcome of action, they are not related. You may intend to do something right, but if you do something wrong, you will get a consequence for doing something wrong, not for thinking about something right. So sometimes it's just a mistake. At some other time, it's an outright sin. You premeditated it. You balance. You calculate. You skimmed it well. I will do it. And you did it and something happened. And it, life knocked you down. Many of us have got very good chances in life. And we have fumbled. We have messed up those chances. We have misused opportunities. We have wasted God-given resources. Chances that God brought our way, we have wasted it by willful sin. And that's what knocked us out. Even though we will never be bold to admit that to others. We say, just be praying with me. But you know, you did something. This is not to judge you. Listen, brethren, this is not to castigate anyone. This is not to label anyone. But this is something we need to come to terms with. The fact that we sometimes, not all the time, sometimes have contribution to where we are. We contributed to where we are. That place where we are, where we've been knocked down by life. Sometimes we are the agency of it. But brethren, no matter what the causal agent is, whether it's you, it's them, or it's nobody, it just happened by itself. It's still not over. Because we have seen in scriptures, people who, by their own hand, brought calamity on their own heads. But when they did what the Bible prescribed, God showed mercy. And he restored to them what they lost. So I know you may be feeling bad and say, Pastor, you don't understand. What I did is so bad. I don't think God will be ever interested in helping me out. Or in showing me mercy. You are wrong. There is nothing you have done. Nothing you have done that God cannot show mercy about. If you will do what the Bible says. If you will acknowledge your fault. If you will repent. If you will call for his help. If you will ask for his mercy. He will intervene. He's a merciful God. It's his nature. God cannot get tired of showing mercy. It's his nature. God who is rich in mercy. is his nature. He's rich in mercy. But there are guidelines and principles. Even though mercy is discretionary, there are principles for mercy. God shows mercy based on principles. And we see all that all through scriptures. Discretion yet guided by principles. I'll show you one example. If you go to the book of 2 Samuel, I think we've been reading only 2 Samuel today. This is interesting. Go to chapter 11. <laughs> chapter 11 of 2 Samuel. The Bible says concerning David, it said, It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle 
underline that place in your Bible at a time when kings go out to battle. That David sent Joab and his servants with him. Joab was a general. And all Israel. And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, This is not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers and took her. You know, I'm emphasizing those words because they talk about force and power. David abused his power. He said, He sent for them. He took her. That is power. It's a position of power. And this power was being abused. So he took her. And she came to him. And he slept with her. For she was cleansed from her impurity. And she returned to her house. And the woman conceived. So she sent and told David. And said, I am with child. You don't finish. The beans you have been cooking. The aroma is disturbing the neighbors now. You know, some of us have been cooking some beans. The aroma has not come out. So now the aroma has come out and David was now in trouble. The Bible started this story with something very, very, very interesting. He said at the time when kings go out to battle, David was a man of war. <laughs> yeah, the Bible described him as a man of war. A man who went to battle. But in this season, he said, let me take it easy. Let the boys go and fight. And at, at this stage, we are paid our dues. Be careful. It's in those moments that we are most vulnerable. Be careful. So out of David's own decision, he stayed behind when it was time to go out to do business, to fight. So he became idle. They say the idle hand is the devil's workshop. I think it's more than workshop. Sometimes it's the devil's showroom. Because that's where you manifest that you are just very ordinary. It's the grace of God that has been keeping you. David did not go out. He said, let me take a stroll on my roof. He went to his penthouse. And he was doing work about on the penthouse. His eyes were strained. Strained, 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 strained. Just like the way you two, your eyes are strained on social media. From one place, you see one slightly pornographic stuff. One second, you say, let me just watch. It's not much. I just want to read the comments. And from there, you are hooked. One hour, you are there feasting on it. On evil content. The Bible says that he was looking, 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 looking on the penthouse. Strolling. Just on one babe. Who is the husband of this babe? Where is she from? No, no time to go too much into the story. But what I need you to understand is that, see, the, the houses around were the places he could easily see without the binocular. So the people around him usually is bodyguards. So that must be the wife of one of his soldiers. And the Bible confirmed it. One of his soldiers, the bodyguards living around the king's palace, he saw the wife. I said, I will chop this one. He didn't know that the bone was going to cross his throat as he was chopping this one. He landed in trouble. At this point in time, David already had six wives. Six. If you go and reach chapter three, no time. He had six wives already. What was he looking for? Okay, you're on, on top of the, on the, on the roof. Your body is doing somehow. Go inside now, guy. You have six women inside. You have six wives. Go inside. Must you go and chop another man's wife? Covetousness. Covetousness led to adultery. Adultery led to scheming. He said, see, Joab, send this man home. Trick him. Let's get him drunk so that he can go and sleep with his wife. Against the military coach. During war, you are supposed to stay away from your wife. Just stay in the battle. Do the king's business and come home. Come and be with your family later. They treat him home. Got the guy drunk. The guy said for where? I know they go. He slept in the king's palace. He didn't go home. When he saw that this man will not do it. He said, next thing, let's just kill him. Covetousness went to adultery. Adultery went to scheming. Scheming went to conspiracy to murder. He said, put him where the battle is hottest. But not just that. When he gets there, we draw cover from him. The other soldiers that were supposed to cover him from the back, we draw them so that he will be exposed. I won't be the one to kill him. God said, it doesn't matter whose arrow killed him. You killed him. So God said, you, David, you killed him. Even though you are a man after my, my heart, I'm going to punish you for it. That was the beginning of the valley moment of David. Read, read your Bible. From that place, he began to be in a very serious trouble. He was knocked down from that moment. 
God said, I'm going to punish you. Yes, you are my servant, you are a man after my own heart. But as an example to others, who would think that I would do anyhow and get away with it? After all, I'm a child of God. God will not do anything. Jesus has paid all my debts, past, present and future. He has paid for all my sins. After all, if I don't sin, well, uh, so what will I gain? After all, Jesus has paid. Bros, sis, if you sin deliberately, read your Bible. The consequence may not come immediately. It will come. There are consequences for our irresponsible actions. There are consequences. Immediately, the thing happened. You will think that God will do something. God did not do anything. Mm -hmm. He didn't do anything. Read your Bible. Read. He slept with her. God did not do anything. She got pregnant. God did not do anything. He schemed to kill the husband. God did not do anything. God was silent. Was quiet all the time. Waiting. Ah, maybe David will repent of this sin. Maybe he will patient. You know, he will come back to me. He will, he will be remorseful. He will come and beg for mercy. Maybe he will come now. He waited. David did not do anything. He waited. The, read your Bible. The Bible said the woman, she got pregnant. She gave birth. Then, that was when God now intervened. So over nine months, God did not say anything. Listen to me, brethren. The fact that God is not saying anything about that sin doesn't mean that he has approved it or that he has waived the consequence. Mm -mm -mm. Don't let them deceive you. Don't let the hyper grace pushers deceive you. The fact that God is quiet. Last week, I did something. Nothing happened. I did another one this week. Nothing happened. Oh, God. Don't be deceived. Don't. Over nine months, God said nothing. God did nothing. Everything was going well. Carrying himself as a king, as God's servant. Maybe he even wrote some psalms in, in between this period. He was ministering. He was still the king in charge. Then God sent the prophet Nathan to him. He said, go and warn that man. And give him my verdict. Give him my verdict. He said, sword. Sword will not leave your house. From that moment, one, the child died. That child that was born from that relationship, the child died. Uh, Amnon and Tamar, uh, David's children, Amnon raped Tamar. Then Tamar's brother, Absalom, killed Amnon. Then, I, I think that was not all. Absalom planned a coup against his father, David. Chased him out and slept with all David's wife in the open. <laughs> on the roof. On the roof that David was walking about when he saw Bathsheba. Am, uh, Absalom marched David's wife inside the tent, one after the other on the roof, and slept with them. Brothers, sisters, don't let them deceive you. Sometimes we get knocked down in life by our own actions. David had to flee. He ran for his life. He was running from his son. His son had taken over the kingdom. They were going to kill David. They were plotting to kill David, if not for divine mercy and intervention. But God showed mercy to David. Go and read Psalm 51. David acknowledged his sin. He prayed to God. He said, God, I'm sorry. I know that I did wrong. And that's the first step. We must, if this is the reason why we are where we are, we must acknowledge, God, I'm sorry. I brought myself here. I know what I did. I'm so, 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 so sorry. Have mercy on me. Don't try to hide it. If you call for mercy, God is a God of mercy. He will show mercy. But don't sweep it under the carpet and say it doesn't matter. It matters. The fact that God has not acted does not mean that it doesn't matter. It matters. But when God showed mercy, you know, God likes leaving a signature of mercy. When he showed mercy to David, he did not only restore him to his kingdom, through the same Bathsheba, the same woman, not Abigail. <laughs> you would have thought that the woman that God will use to bring the next heir to the throne would be Abigail, a wise and strategic woman who planted herself in the life of David after her husband Nabal was killed. You would have thought that that would be the best candidate to produce the next child for David who will be on the throne. God said no. It's through this same Bathsheba. Just to prove that when I forgive, I forgive completely. So God gave him another chance through the same Bathsheba. No time today. No matter what's responsible for your being knocked down, whether it's you, whether it's enemies, whether it's something natural, something beyond your control, there is still hope. There is still hope. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 24 verse 16, said, though the righteous fall seven times, 
Say you rise. It's not how many times you fall. It's the fact that you have a room to rise. And that you shall rise in the name of Jesus Christ. As we wrap up this message today, I just want to share with you very briefly two things. Two things we need to do to rise when we get knocked down in life. I'm going to read Proverbs chapter... Uh, okay, I've read Proverbs. I've just quoted Proverbs twenty-four sixteen. Let me read Psalms. Let me read Psalms thirty-seven, verse twenty-four. The book of Psalms. Lord, help me. Yes, thirty-seven twenty-four. Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Verse twenty-four now says, though he fall. He shall not be utterly cast down. Mm-mm. Though he is not down, he will not be knocked out. For the Lord opposes him with his hand. How do you get up when you have been knocked down? You must accept the fact of the fall, but affirm the promise of rising again. And there is more than enough promise in the scriptures. I've just mentioned two. I've mentioned Proverbs chapter 24 verse 16. I've mentioned and I've read Psalm 37 verse 24. I don't have time to go to Job chapter 5 verse 19. Go and read it. There is more than enough promise in scripture to say even if you fall, you will rise. So, accept the fact of that fall that you are falling. But also affirm the promise that you will rise again. And number two is that you need to understand the reason for the fall and address it as appropriate. Understand why you fell. If you tripped, don't look forward or look back. Whatever your idea of analysis or fault, find out why you tripped. And when you find it out, any of these three reasons, approach it as appropriate. For those who are suffering a knockdown because of things they didn't cause, like Mephibosheth, trust God for divine intervention. Pray for divine intervention. For others who were knocked down by the wickedness of people like David, Joseph, you know, people were knocked down. Forgive others. Forgive. And like Joseph, you've been knocked down by the bad behavior of others. While you are there, help others. You don't know how much you are helping yourself when you help others. He helped the butler. He helped the baker. He didn't know he was helping himself finding a way out. Don't be bitter when you find yourself down. Mm-mm. Look for something to do. Add value to somebody. Add value to yourself. Be of use. Be of use. Help people. Last but not the least, like David, when he sinned and caused his own downfall, he had to go and reconcile with God. You too, you can do the same. If where you are today is as a result of your own action or inaction, your ignorance, your carelessness, your mistake, your sin, Whatever, go and reconcile it with God. Deal with it. Deal with it. Things don't just disappear. Causal agents don't just move. They have to be moved. They have to be moved. Take the right step and address it. And I pray for you. As you begin to take these steps, you will rise again. In the name of Jesus, can I hear a resounding amen? You will rise again. In the name of Jesus Christ. Those who have looked at you in your state of being down and have written you off. We come to celebrate you. When you will get up and you win again. In the name of Jesus. Your victory is still ahead. You will receive it. In the name of Jesus. I pray for you. I pray for you. It is not over for you. And you will receive a sign. In the name of Jesus Christ. Things will begin to turn around. Divine intervention will step in into your case. In the name of Jesus Christ. Everything that needs to be done to bring you back. To raise you. To provide support. To encourage you. May heaven begin to orchestrate it. In the name of Jesus. May heaven begin to orchestrate it. In the name of Jesus Christ. I decree and declare on your life today. Your situation will begin to improve. In the name of Jesus Christ. That situation that looks hopeless and bleak. May the light of God come upon it and let improvement begin to happen. In the name of Jesus Christ. You will not end like this. 
you will not finish like this you shall finish strong in the name of jesus christ everyone who has mocked you will join you to celebrate in the name of jesus everything you have lost in the process of being down may ever restore it to you with interest in the name of jesus with interest may it be restored to you in the name of jesus christ so shall it be in jesus mighty name we pray God bless you. Put your hands together for Jesus. And don't forget to join us next week. We continue with this series. We take another dimension of this series. It's not over. Because you have not won. You shall win. You shall rise. And you will be celebrated in the name of Jesus. And God bless you real good. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To get copies of messages, kindly visit our ministry material store. And also worship with us at Foundation of Truth Assembly Headquarters on 40 Stroke 42 Imam Dowder Street, off Eric Mosso, Lagos. God bless you.